drink and dance all night. Now let's talk of diapers and pacifiers and our pants are feeling tight. Bottle service with BKP. Bottle service with BKP. All right, guys, I'm sitting here with Cameron Rogers in the house. She is an influencer, a blogger, and a podcast host of the Freckled Foodie and Friends podcast. She talks all things motherhood and mental health. So I'm so excited to welcome her to the show. Cameron, thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I love having with you and I love being a guest. It's just so much easier than being a host. So I'm excited to be here. It, it really, it really truly is. <laughs> yep. I mean, I, I've had you actually on my other podcast, Big Kid Problems, when you were pregnant. It was before I was pregnant. So I was it like. Was right before your wedding. Yeah. 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 And I, I was, I, you know, I, it, pregnancy was something I had thought about, but you know, and I, I knew it was like in the future, but I didn't really like have any plans and talking to you was so fun. I'll never forget like the way that you describe pregnancy because it's something that I have come back to so many times, but in that interview, you called it superhero alien shit. <laughs> and, it <laughs> and, and it is, and it is the most accurate description of pregnancy that I've ever heard anybody say. So I mean, it, kudos it's so crazy. Thank you. It is really wild what our bodies are capable of doing. I remember always, obviously you're aware that women like or people with uteruses become pregnant. You're you're conscious of that, but you never really fully grasp it until you're either watching it firsthand day in, day out, or it's happening to you. And I think even if you're watching it firsthand, it's still different than when it's happening to you. And it put everything into perspective for me and really changed. I like looked back on how I acted in the corporate world with pregnant women where I remember they'd be pregnant like every day of their pregnancy in office and never once was I like, are you okay? How are you doing this? Like, can I help you extra? And same with maternity leave. Like when they'd come back, I didn't realize how much their lives had just changed. And it's, it's all so wild. It is so wild. It's crazy. And you're right. And I feel like unless you're like actually living it, it's so hard. Like my favorite thing to say to my husband and I tell him this pretty much still like we're, we're way past having the baby. And I still remind him every day. I'm like, you have no fucking idea. None. <laughs> you have no fucking idea what I did to bring this child to the world. And he simply had an orgasm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, it's wild. <laughs> it's insane. Um, but one thing, so, you know, I've been following you for a while. And one thing I know you've been really vocal about, and one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on here, is you talk a lot about your postpartum experience, um, you know, having a little bit of postpartum depression, um, kind of like, like beating some stigmas around that, um, and have been really open and honest. And it's been, I know, really helpful for me to see, and I'm sure it's really helpful for everyone in your audience to see. Um, but I really wanted to talk to you about that today. And I figured we'd kind of like, let's go back to the beginning. Like, I'd love to hear about like how your birth went, like how did birth go? And then like, take us through your postpartum journey. Of course. I honestly had an incredible birth experience, which I know is not the case for everyone. I did not enjoy being pregnant and 
it's not that I was afraid of birth. I, I was kind of like indifferent around it. I was most concerned of how would we get to the hospital and how long would it take because we live in New York and we live in the West Village and it's on the Upper East Side and it can be 15 minutes or it can be an hour and 15 minutes. And that was honestly my biggest stressor of like what time of day will it be and how will we get there? <laughs> and I, I was actually in labor for a very long time. By the end, it was about 40 hours. Not like painful, crazy labor. I want to make that very clear. But I just started labor and it was just a while. So... I was having contractions overnight. They were pretty consistent, 10 minutes apart. In my head, I'm like, oh my God, let's go to the hospital. We literally almost got out of bed and like started everything. I call my doctor. She's like, hang tight. Try to get a little bit more sleep if you can. Um, keep me posted on the timing of them. Then that day kind of was completely on and off. I would have two contractions in an hour. Then I would go two hours without any contractions. Then that night, same thing happened consistently overnight. By this point, I had been in labor, quote unquote, for like 24 hours. And I called my doctor and we had an induction set for like two days later, which was the day after my due date. And I asked, can I just come in and get induced now? Like, I, I don't want to do a whole other 24 hours of this, especially if I'm going to be exhausted and then have this kid. You know, everyone has their own opinion on induction. I was fine with it. So we went in, got there at like 7.30 in the morning. I got induced and I didn't end up delivering until 3.42 the next morning. So it was a long process. That being said, oh I only pushed for like 20 minutes. So labor was long. It was definitely rough at points. I had the like complete body shakes. I was throwing up. At one point I was throwing up blood. It, no one surprisingly was <sighs> concerned except for Joe and I. Um, and it was a lot, but the delivery was one of the highlights of my life. I really wanted it to be. And my one friend who was also a college athlete and married a college athlete said to me, it's game day. Like it's game day. It's <laughs> the team, you guys are ready to go. And Joe and I are both lifelong and college athletes. And that's kind of how I approached it where I was like, I want this to be as fun as possible. And I realized that that can go a multitude of ways that you're not in control of. So it can't be that way for everyone. But given that there were no complications, I had like music blasting. I have my playlist. I'll send it to you that you can put in the show notes. It's on my public Spotify account. It's honestly a fire pregame playlist we listened to it at a lot of bachelorette <laughs> parties this past year um but it's like 90s and early 2000s hip-hop and rap he and like there's a mix of Nicki Minaj 50 Cent WAP was on there like we were having ourselves a time and I don't know I mean obviously I had an epidural because it was enjoyable um so the delivery was great I felt like the baddest bitch on this planet like I truly was like I can do anything in this world and I just remember looking at my husband looking down at me with such awe and shock and terror in his eyes of like <laughs> what did I just witness and I have never seen him look at me like that where he, I really think that I mean he thought I was the greatest person to ever step on this planet Oh my God. Okay. We could not have had two right, more different birth experiences, but I love to hear that. That actually makes me really happy because I feel like this audience especially has probably been listening to me, uh, you know, talk about me not having the best birth experience. So I, I like having another perspective on here where like you actually 
enjoyed it. Is enjoy the word or just like. No, I would do birth 10, 10 times out of 10 again. Wow. Like I really walked away being like, I would do that all over again. And my husband's like, I don't, wouldn't go that far because <laughs> now you're kind of putting some jinx energy out there. But what you said is so true. Like everyone's experience is so different and it starts from the very beginning. Everyone's conception story is so different. Everyone's journey is so different. Everyone's pregnancy is so different. I remember being so angry at people on social media that were like, I love being pregnant when I mm. hated it. I'm like, yep. how are we experiencing the same thing? Same thing with delivery. There are so many different things that can happen and that we're just not in control of. And honestly, same thing with postpartum. Everyone's experience is so different. So I think it's helpful to hear different stories and different experiences because it reminds us that you can't compare and you can't yeah. really focus too much or try to plan too much because you never know what hand you're going to be dealt. It's so true. It's so true. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my favorite clean skincare lines made by moms for moms and moms to be. You already know I'm talking about Nima. If you don't know, Nima is a sustainable luxury skincare collection formulated specifically for mamas and their families. Founded by Mary Lawless Lee, Nima is inspired by the love of her children and the desire to offer moms pregnancy-safe products that feel luxurious and as effective as their other skincare products. Nima combines luxury ingredients with science and all of their products, including the Stretch Mark Cream, Nipple and Lip Balm, and Scar Treatment, Hi, where my fellow C-section girlies at, are all dermatologist approved, hypoallergenic, and vegan. And not to mention, they feel so good on your skin. I'm a huge fan. I mean, true story, guys. I just went to a baby shower and got the mom to be their new mom essential kit, which has all three products in it as a gift. I mean, I think everybody always gets the baby presents at a baby shower, and I think moms need some love too. Am I right? So pick up something nice for yourself or for a fellow mom or mom-to-be at nema.com. That's N-E-M-A-H.com and use code BIGKID for 15% off. Again, that is nema.com and use code BIGKID for 15% off. Okay, so you're, you're riding high after birth, you know, like crushed it 90s hip-hop feeling good feeling on top of your game at what point do you think things started to be like "Ooh, maybe I'm not feeling so great postpartum well I will say night uh the hospital experience wasn't like my favorite post giving birth I just hated the bed like nothing very intense but I just was ready to get home I was ready yeah. to be in our own space I felt like there was never a time where the doctors weren't in and out doing tests on me or him or giving me met like the whole thing I think I have a lot of thoughts on that I'm like why are you not just doing the tests at the same time so that we can get this done with and then we can both sleep but I felt like when we got home I was so excited to come home the first night home was definitely a hard one it was you know we didn't have any help until month I think three so it was really Ooh. the two of us and the baby. We were, to put in perspective, this was May 2021. So COVID was very much still a thing. Vaccines had just started to roll out. So there was definitely hope, but there was still a lot of fear. And we 
were thinking about having our doula help us with a few nights, but she hadn't gotten vaccinated yet. So we decided it wasn't safe. And so it was just us. And there was a very conscious decision because we're, I personally am not great with other people in my space. I also really wanted it to be this like team and just us and to experience that. And do I think it was the best decision we made? I don't know. Maybe it set me up for my eventual downfall, but simultaneously, I don't think I'd do it differently if I had Hmm. to do it again. I really don't. Again, everyone has a different experience in terms of that and a lot of privileges and decisions go into making that um, reality. But the first night was hard. The first few weeks were obviously just a fever dream. I felt like I didn't know which way was up. It was a complete accomplishment if I brushed my teeth. Um, Hmm. I was just naked and covered in breast milk 24-7. I don't think I had clothes on my body at all. But I honestly felt good. I obviously was emotional and the hormones were wild. And there were times where I would sit on the couch. I have a photo that I actually posted that is one of my most liked or engaged with posts is me just sitting on the couch with a pump hooked up to my boobs hysterically crying because I just remember <sighs> seeing my dog in the corner being like does he know that I love him and it was night three <laughs> and the hormones were raging yes but I wouldn't say that I was depressed I think I was just mm-hmm. feeling the emotions of fresh postpartum and confusion and exhaustion mm-hmm. when I look back That like first month, six week period was complete survival mode. And I was honestly able to thrive in that. I kind of just threw myself into it. He was the focus and that was that. And I felt like we did a really good job. That being said, I started to really notice a mental change and feel like things weren't great around month three-ish. I believe it's because A, we had gone a very long time without extra hands or help and my husband only had a two-week parental leave, which I know is unfortunately common for some, but is bullshit in my opinion. And so therefore, like I was doing, I mean, he is so incredibly helpful, but at the same time he was working. Yes, he was home, I don't know if that made it easier or honestly harder and more resentment. Um, But I was doing all of that as like all day. And the whole breastfeeding aspect of things, you're the only one feeding them. What really I think was hard was when I tried to return to my life outside of him because I felt I could do a really good job in his world where I just put my head down. He was my focus. All that mattered was that we were eating, sleeping, and pooping. And that was life. But when I tried to go back and do social things with my friends and I felt like I didn't even know how to have a conversation with someone or I did, I I felt so lost in terms of my work or I tried to record a podcast episode and I just couldn't find words. Um, That's where I started to really struggle. And that was when my postpartum depression definitely began and like started to hit its peak around month four ish yeah that's that's so interesting I mean one everything you're saying I feel like is a really common thing that happens to all of us 
Um, I remember like trying to have a conversation with like, like a social conversation with friends and like, I'm known as like the funny one. Like I, you know, I'm a quick wit, like whatever can talk shit. Like, and I remember one of my guy friends was like talking shit to me and I was just staring at him blankly. Like I had no rebuttal. I have like nothing I, for you. I have nothing. I have nothing. And like, I just felt so, I felt like stupid because I feel like your brain cells are just yep. like there's, you have three of them you know, that are working overtime. Um, and I was like, I have nothing to talk about unless you want to talk to me about like which diapers you're using or like anything baby related. Like your brain is just so in that baby, uh, you know, space that it's, it, you're right. Like when you start going back into the real world, it's really fucking hard, really hard. And I honestly think looking back, it definitely impacted some of my friendships and, some of my very close friends have kids and it therefore brought us closer because they understood what I was experiencing. They could have that mom to mom conversation of what diaper do I use? How do I handle this diaper rash? Why is his poop this color? They have been there. They can speak from experience and guide you. Not it, No one is doing anything wrong, but the friends who have not experienced that, I honestly felt like I had nothing to bring to the table and I couldn't think of things to even converse over. And then I also was like, this must be so annoying for them. All I'm talking about is my child, but I yeah. have nothing else to give. <laughs> it, it's very interesting. And it's something that I navigated with one of my closest friends. And like a few months out, we kind of had like a very honest sit down convo over it where we were like, our friendship has kind of not been so great ever since my delivery and why is that is it something I did is it something you're doing is it something that neither of us did but we just haven't been paying enough attention to it and I mean we're great now but I think it is like a conscious thing that you have to be aware of on both ends Ugh. I'm actually glad you're saying this because like I'm even right now thinking in my own life I'm like fuck I've really been neglecting like a couple of my friends who I love and it's so funny like I remember I remember being on the other side where like my friends would get pregnant and they would like disappear and like kind of ghost me out of their life. And I, and I was like, why do people do that? I'm never going to do that. And I'm starting to understand like, Oh, okay. It's this really, happens. yeah, it's, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. And again, it's nothing that anyone's doing wrong. It's from an actual part of from the beginning as the pregnant, the postpartum person, I just felt like I didn't have anything of interest to say that wasn't related to my child. Yeah. Now I feel differently, but in the very beginning, that was all that I could think about. Yeah. How long did it take you to feel normal after that? Because I'm kind of still there, <laughs> actually, no, now that I, I think mean, about it. Honestly, it took me until I think month nine was when I started to feel like... Not myself again, because I truly believe that it's this like reckoning of being when you give birth and you do become a different person. But I started to feel comfortable with who I was. Month nine was kind of this like acceptance of I've changed. I'm different. I feel comfortable with my life now. And really just that was when there was also a shift in my mental health for the better. Mm. Okay. So I do want, I do want to talk a little bit about that. Cause I know you yeah. mentioned, okay. Around month three, month four is when shit ac actually started to kind of get bad, which is interesting because I feel like, um, I always thought like if you had post any kind of like postpartum depression that it happened, like 
right away. Me too. And I remember like leaving the hospital and getting like a questionnaire. They give you like a, a yeah. 10 question questionnaire to see if you're depressed or not. And I'm like, yeah, oh, and they make I guess you I'm watch good. that horrible video about like shaking babies. Did you have to do that? No, I didn't have to watch that. I didn't watch that. Oh what is my that? God. No, it's <laughs> awful. I mean, it's a very real thing. Like, shaken baby I don't know what the correct term I think maybe that's what they call it like out of frustration if you shake your child and like it can do something to the spot it's awful and the baby can pass and in New York you have to watch a video educating you on it and it's you've literally just given birth you're still in hospital so it's day one or two and you're watching a video about these babies dying and it's so dark and what I will say is I always thought the same thing about postpartum depression and I was very conscious of it because I've struggled with my mental health for majority of my life. So I had a psychiatrist, I had a therapist, we had been talking about like what for my husband to look out for all of these things. And for me, I had some PPA postpartum anxiety like right away. And that looked like really intrusive thoughts. And I can just clarify that because some people are either familiar with the terminology or they're like, what are you talking about? And then some of them, when I say it, they've experienced it. The best way I can equate it is if you watched Final Destination as a kid, which I did. Oh, yeah. And still can't drive behind a truck with a truck with logs. (laughs) Me either. Okay, so that's one of them that happens to me all the time. But I would see these horrible things that I would do and then I would convince myself that I was going to do it. So like if I was walking with him in my arms in a door frame, I would convince myself that I was going to bang his head against the side of like the door frame or I was going to knock him into our marble kitchen island or drop him on our hardwood floors or like the worst one for me was that I would wake up convinced he was wrapped in our bed sheets even though we didn't co-sleep. Um so it was terrifying and I remember being very ashamed because it felt so wrong and like am I doing something wrong is something wrong with me I knew I didn't want to do any of these things but they were so vivid and very consistent and I actually haven't had them in a long time but I had one recently that threw me for a loop and I finally brought it up to my husband honestly because I punched him in the middle of the night one night because I woke up and saw a pillow in his arms and I thought it was our son and I like I'm hating him and he wakes up he's like what are you doing and I'm like oh my god I thought you fell asleep with him in your arms like in the bed and he's like what is going on so I explained it to him then I told my doctor I talked to a few friends it's not that it's common in every single person but it is something that a lot of people experience and that was how my PPA manifested and it was almost in this like preparation mentality where I was seeing the worst so that my brain could potentially prepare for it if it ever happened but the depression felt very different where this was around month end of three four five six where I just felt so dark Um, I felt like there was no point in anything. I felt very questioning everything that I had done to get me to this position. Um, wondering if my life was ever going to be happy again and if I would ever feel motivated to do anything. And Mm. I just quite honestly wanted to sink into a couch and never like leave. 
And the biggest thing for me is I remember being at my parents' beach house and my whole family would be there and, you know, we'd put him, our son down for the night and then typically we'd all like hang out out back and drink and have fun and talk and whatever. And I would just excuse myself and go up to the hangout room with all the lights off and just sit on the couch. And it's not like I was reading or on my phone or watching TV. I just wanted to sit in silence. And my husband came up once and was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know what's happening, but I do not feel like this is normal or okay to feel. And that was when I first started to really acknowledge that things had shifted. And then I mentioned the whole like not being able to, when I returned to work and trying to do podcasts, I had on this one guest who I'm friendly with. I love her. And she was an amazing guest. But I literally could not form words, like could not ask questions. It was such a miss on my end and I still regret it. And she was saying how she struggled with postpartum depression and how the strong thing is not to like push through and prove that you can do it. The strong thing is to seek help and try to get Mm. better. And after we ended the conversation, I texted her that night and I was like, I really feel like I didn't show up today. Um, I'm mad at myself for that, but honestly I am just like not in a good place um, mentally and I don't feel well. And you inspired me to actually like take the next step. So I called my psychiatrist. I increased my dosage of antidepressants. I started seeing her more regularly, started seeing my therapist more regularly, was very aware of how I was feeling and having active conversations with my husband. And I also decided to actively stop breastfeeding because I think, or not, I think I know that that was playing a massive role in all of this. Mm. Okay, I was just actually talking to another girlfriend about um, the same thing. And she she was talking about how she was going to stop breastfeeding because she thinks it was hindering her. Like, in, in what ways do you think it was um, affecting your mental health? Because uh, m- one of the big things that I would think would be a cause is, like, that you have to do those night feedings all on your own. You know, like, your, your sleep is, like, conti- continuously disrupted whereas like I wasn't I wasn't able to breastfeed so like me and my husband would do trade-offs in the middle of the night and I would get like more bulk hours of sleep like were there any other things that you think yeah it's interesting because it honestly wasn't even that well it could have been built up so yes I was doing night feeds um in the beginning my husband and I would do every feed together because we were so confused as to what to do like we were scared (laughs) and he would just sit next to me like trying not to doze off as I tried not to doze off while my kids like on my boob and I also had a really hard time latching or he had a hard time latching in the beginning so I needed my husband's assistant to assistance to literally like navigate my nipple navigate our son's mouth like Quite honestly, he was like squeezing, milking me like a cow. So he was very involved in this process. Once we kind of got the hang of it, I would pump right before we went to bed. And so that bottle would be used for one of the night feeds. So Mm, we were kind of splitting it up where I would do the breastfeed alone and he would do the other night feed on his own with a bottle. I still wasn't sleeping through the night, which obviously impacts your mental health, but it wasn't like I was up all night, every night, forever. He also started sleeping through the night pretty early. By week 12, he was consistently sleeping through. So at this point, 
or I guess week 12 is kind of around month three. So yes, I think sleep deprivation plays a role in it. But for me, it was more, you're the only person that can feed him. Like that, just the feeling of having no independence is maybe what rocked me the most. Um, I loved the actual act of breastfeeding. I loved that experience with my son, but I did not enjoy everything else about breastfeeding. I did not enjoy that I was the only one and that I was locked to this schedule and Mm. that I constantly felt like a cow being milked and my boobs, I had an oversupply. So I was constantly engorged. I had mastitis. I had clogged ducts. The mastitis led to fevers. Like that whole process sucked I hated that I woke up every morning rock hard leaking everywhere it it, that all felt like my body was doing so many other things and serving so many other people than simply just being my body and I missed having the bodily autonomy of like it just being mine um Mm -hmm. I also just think hormonally like it does something to you like it really sends you for a whirlwind the hormones of breastfeeding are no joke and I just wanted more freedom quite honestly and I wanted the ability to do some stuff for myself I'm a big believer and you have to fill your own cup before you can fill anyone else's and I really just felt like I wasn't able to and Look, we have formula for a reason. Formula is fucking awesome. And why not take that assistance if it wasn't, if this whole thing wasn't serving us as well as it could? And people ask me a lot, do you think you're going to try to breastfeed with your future child knowing all of this? I'll try. Mm -hmm. And I'm never going to, like, I don't, I think it's silly for any of us, I've learned, in terms of pregnancy, conception, postpartum birth and delivery to go in with some set plan that we think is right because you never know what the fuck is going to happen you know so true I could say I'm not I don't want to breastfeed again fine but like what if the next experience is very different or what if I'm not even able to breastfeed and I want to try so you never know I'm going into everything with a very open mind and the knowledge that I can't control what happens to me, I can simply control how I choose to react and adapt to the situation. Yeah. You've waited a long nine months and mama deserves a cocktail, but I'm not gonna lie. I know I had a lot of anxiety around drinking when my little guy wasn't sleeping through the night. I mean, I knew I had to be on my A game early the next morning, which is why I am obsessed with Morning Recovery by More Labs. Morning Recovery uses a plant-derived superhero formula that helps speed up the breakdown of alcohol-induced toxins. Just drink one little bottle of Morning Recovery the night you're drinking and let their proprietary blend of electrolytes and vitamins rehydrate and restore lost nutrients so you can wake up ready to take on whatever motherhood has in store for you. I always keep a package of these stocked at my house. I travel with them. I honestly, at this point, like just refuse to drink without them. 
I'm sure most of you have probably realized by now, I mean, rough mornings after a few cocktails are just not an option with a new baby. It's just not worth it. So don't let rough mornings after drinking dampen the next day. Drink smarter with morning recovery at morelabs.com slash big kid and use code big kid for 20% off your order. 20% off guys. That is a nice little savings. Head to morelabs.com slash big kid and use code big kid at checkout. Cheers. Did, um, did weaning when, once you started weaning, like, did you feel an immediate difference or did it take some time? Um, the weaning process is a bitch that no one prepared me for. That was a, I felt frustrated by the world because I don't know why I thought that I could just turn off some switch and my boobs would go back to normal. They never went back to normal, let's put it that way. But I also just, it took way longer to dry up than I imagined. I had an oversupply, so that plays into it. But I was cutting like a feed at a time every few days and then trying to decrease. I then, even though I was following this whole process based on what I had read, what I had been told, working with my doula, who's a lactation consultant, I still got mastitis. I was in so much pain. I had a high fever. I had to go on antibiotics. And then I was just like, F this. I'm done. Yeah. So then I brought in the big guns of like Sudafed around the clock, cabbage cream, cabbage leaves in my bra, tight sports bras. Like I was doing everything I could to drain them. Eventually, when I finally was drained, I felt this immediate relief of, oh, my God. I remember waking up in the morning and not. Like, my boobs used to be rock hard and, like, ease, massive. We had stains for the first week. There were these little white stains on our wood floors in our kitchen. And for so long, I could not figure out what it was. And then I realized that it was me in the morning leaking everywhere (laughs) while I made my way into the kitchen to get the pump. So that was the first immediate relief. It's definitely a hormonal change, the weaning process. I know people experience it very intensely. I actually did not. And I had a weekend away with some girlfriends very shortly after. And I just felt so free and happy to be able to have some aspect of my life back, knowing that my child was still very much being taken care of and very much okay and I was able to have some time for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how long, just out of curiosity, like how long in total did it take you to wean? I want to say a week and a half, two weeks. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my supply like never even fully came in and it probably took me like three days. And I remember those three days were painful. <laughs> no, it's like, a, it's hard. Especially if you were oversupply, like, and if you fuck, it's so easy to just mess up one small thing and you're screwed. Yeah. Like starting over. Oh, um, one thing I wanted to ask you, because I know you mentioned like you went on this friend's trip shortly after and you were able to like have fun when you were in like the throes of like the darkness of postpartum depression, like were you still able to access joy? Because that's like something when I, I, I had like prenatal depression, like I was depressed my entire pregnancy. Um, and I realized that after the fact, I'm like, whoa, I like didn't actually experience joy for like nine, almost 10 full months. Like I, like it, 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 it really wasn't until afterwards where I was like, oh, like 
yeah, that I was like pretty low for that entire period of time. Would you say your experience was like a consistent low or were you more like peaks and valleys? Like what was your mood there kind of some peaks? It was definitely consistently low. Um, I don't, it's confusing because I feel like I was honestly only able to find joy if it was like me, my son and my husband alone in a room Hmm. like that. I was like, wow, this is like, look at what we've created. And when I was with him in those moments, but when we would leave the house and I would see other people, I remember walking around the West Village and seeing all these people out to lunch and living this gorgeous. We also, to put it in context, this was the summer that everyone got vaccinated and thought that COVID was over. So it was like the return of the world when we were in fresh postpartum. So everyone Hmm. was experiencing these things that we had missed for so long. And I felt like I obviously couldn't be a part of it. I mean, realistically, I just couldn't at that time. So when I would see the outside world, I felt like I couldn't experience joy in any aspect of the outside world. But when it was just with him or my husband and we were in our little bubble, I felt like I had peaks of joy. Yes. Which is so confusing. It's confusing. And I don't think really I acknowledged how bad it was until I came out of it. Yeah. Which I think, I think is kind of common. I was going to say, I think that's kind of like a common thread when it comes to like any kind of depression because I literally, I, it really took me after birth realizing how bad my depression was through pregnancy. Yeah. It was like a, it was like a giant fog had lifted and like a big weight off my shoulders where I'm like, Oh, that was actually pretty bad. And I didn't even know. Cause mm-hmm. you kind of almost like grow used to it. But for anybody who might be in it, I think that's like an important piece to know. Um, I want to ask you, so, you know, you mentioned a couple of these things briefly, but like, what were some of the things that helped you get better? You know, like I want, I want some tips maybe for anybody who is in a similar funk, like how you were able to pull yourself out of that. Of course. I call it my choosing joy toolbox and love that. (laughs) There's a lot of things in there and I pull from it. Some of them every day, some of them sparingly. It depends. The things for me that are non-negotiables, I am medicated. I have been on antidepressants for a few years now. I was on my medication through my pregnancy, increased my dosage during my pregnancy, and then postpartum increased again. I meditate daily. That's a big one for me. I have been for over four years now, and it has changed my life in an incredible way. I am a student of Ziva, Z-I-V-A, meditation. Me too. Really? Yeah. Oh, love. I, I've had her on uh, I've had her on my podcast. I on have my other podcast. She's, She's awesome. She's amazing. Love amazing. Her. So I do Ziva meditation. I think it's an incredible program. Amazing. I realize that it's an expensive entry point. So I don't think that it's like required for everyone. I also recommend Headspace and Calm as apps if you want a guided meditation. I hear my husband's every morning. It does a great job. So I recommend those. I also journal almost every morning. That's a big thing for me. It's not this elaborate, like wonderful, earth-shattering thing. Quite honestly, a lot of it is just getting words out on paper just to free up my brain. Other things for me 
I do therapy once a week and I also have a psycho- psychiatrist for my prescription. Those are two massive privileges that I wish were accessible and I hope one day are for everyone because it has helped me so much. And other things I do are getting outside when I'm depressed. It helps so much to just get outside of your four walls because it's really easy to spiral and get in your own head when you're indoors, in my opinion. Um, Movement is a big one for me. Finding a movement that you enjoy, that you want to do is huge. If it's a class, I don't want to do it. I won't do it. Like you need to want to do the style of movement and that is the movement that is best for you. I limit time on social media in moments of depression or anxiety. I actually cut out alcohol. I don't even know how long ago now, maybe seven, eight months. So I haven't drank in a long time. That made a huge difference for me. I'm not saying everyone has to, but maybe reassess your relationship with alcohol if you're in a dark place. On that note, I'm a proponent of cannabis I partake through different modalities many times a week, depending on my week. For me, I think it helps ground me and connect me with like my inner self and lets go of my ego. And honestly, I have, I call them like edible therapy sessions. I will have massive breakthroughs at night high on my couch. And then in therapy, I'm like, let me tell you what I worked through and how I figured it all out. Um, And... Simple other things. I have this playlist that I'll share with you also. It's my waking shake playlist where in the darkest days of depression, I would wake up and put on my noise canceling headphones and put it on and just fucking go to town by myself. And I'm not talking like cute dancing. I'd look like a lunatic. And most of the time I would start hysterically crying. I think music has such power and I still listen to it very regularly and it makes a big difference for me. Like we're gonna another, need we're gonna need that playlist for the show oh, notes. Absolutely. Another <laughs> like small thing for me is honestly like nighttime showers ever since becoming a mom. They're so wonderful. Having hmm. that time just uninterrupted where I know there's no chance that I should be doing something else with him or for him or that he's crying for me or awake. Um just like standing in the shower and having that time for myself. And I'm a big reader, especially postpartum. I love a good steamy romance novel. It just hmm. hits fucking different once you're a mom. And yeah, I feel like I feel like I'm missing something, but those are a lot of them. Those those are that's a that's a really good toolbox. Yeah. I'm to be really honest focused on finding joy. That has been my like focus for the past year. And I will huh. say that I've become the happiest version of myself, I think, because I have found things that really help me get there. That's actually amazing. I, I have a lot of those same tools in my toolbox, and that took me years to acquire. Oh, like, it takes a while. you got to figure out what works for you. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate you, like, basically giving us years of <laughs> years I of got therapy you. in one episode. That, that was if very you valuable. Venmo me for my therapy bill. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. That's actually, like, super, super valuable. And you know what? I actually like at the end where you talked about uh, – this just kind of stuck out to me – the um, reading for pleasure because that is something – 
that took me a while to figure out. Like I would always read things that I was like, oh, this is going to value. This is going to add value to me. Maybe it's like a business book or maybe it's like yeah. a spirituality book. Like I need to be, if I'm going to spend the time reading. I need to get like some kind of like Hell value. No. Thank you. Hell Thank to you. the no. Look, I'll read, I'll listen to some of those on audible and treat it like a podcast. So if I'm cooking or if I'm on a walk or whatever, I'll listen to some of those because I do think they're inspiring and they are helpful and there's a complete place for them. But in my life, no, no, no. My books have to be cheesy. There needs to be a lot (laughs) of hot sex and they need to be like quick, mindless reads where I can just escape into this world. Like I love we I read for like almost an hour before bed every night. Yeah, that is like a low key. I mean, that one's been around forever. And I feel like it's one that people forget. And I, I just even recently kind of started getting into that, like reading for pleasure. And it, it is so nice. And talk about something better to do and a serious toolbox hack to read before bed instead of watching like Real Housewives, which I'm yeah. still guilty of. But trying we to don't get have a TV at. in our bedroom. Oh, so yeah. My husband's like- my husband's trying to implement that. And I'm like. No, (laughs) (laughs) we're a no technology in bed household. That's you guys are you guys are inspiring. My sleep is (laughs) oh sleep. That's another big thing in my toolbox. Sleep is very important to me. Do not mess with my sleep. Yes, I'm with you. Oh, my God. Okay, Cameron, thank you so much. This was very, very helpful. I love talking to you. I one. Well, well, and I want you to pimp us out. And then two, I'd hope you just I want you to close this out with just maybe for anybody who's like going through it right now, like what would you say? Of course. So I'll pit myself up first so we can end on that note. You can <laughs> follow me on Instagram or TikTok. I actually just did a bit of a rebrand, changed everything. So my handle is now my name, Cameron Oaks Rogers. There's no D in Rogers. My show is Freckled Foodie and Friends. It's now part of Dear Media Network. And you can listen to new episodes every Wednesday morning. Um, it's a lot of fun. Sarah has been on, so you can find our episode as well. And for advice, I would just really, really try to remind everyone, if you're in the throes of it, this was my mantra that kept me going, is that it's all temporary. I promise it is temporary. And I'm not saying that it's ever going to be completely easy and you're going to love every aspect of it because I think that's a lie that if anyone tells you that they're selling you a lie some things are always going to be difficult and some days might be hard but no matter what the moment you're in is temporary and I had this moment the other week where I was just sitting here on my couch with my son and I started hysterically crying because I was so happy and so in love with him and I was almost looking at this moment from the eyes of myself when I was in that depression and realizing that I never thought that this could exist and I'm Mm. just so happy to be on this side of it and I want to reassure everyone who may be in the thick of it now that you're not alone no matter how specific or dark or scary your thoughts might be you're not alone and it is all temporary and there is a light at the end of the tunnel Ugh, what a way to go out (laughs) cameron thank you so much for being on and guys thanks for bumping along with us see you next week 